to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show, hosted by a medical doctor with a different spin on women's health. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, and I love bringing you root cause solutions for your health concerns so you can look, feel, and be your best for life. Today, we're going to be diving into the question, can we shrink fibroids naturally with nutrition? And the short answer to this is, Yes, we can. And the long answer to this is that there's so many things we can do. And we're going to go over some really important, crucial points that you can incorporate as of today to start seeing hopefully some really quick effects on your fibroids should you have them. Now, we did do an episode last week on fibroids, what they are, and why do they grow. And as a review, Uh, What happens is that a combination of body inflammation, toxins from the environment, such as cosmetics, household products, uh, in our drinking water that isn't properly uh, filtered out by our water filtration systems, and any excess body fat can stimulate the growth of our fibroids. And how does this happen? It's through a very specific action on an enzyme called aromatase. And this enzyme, enzymes are proteins that have a function in the body. So it's like a tool. So the protein has a function as if it were a tool in the body. And the function of aromatase is to turn uh, testosterone into estrogen. And in women, we normally want it active primarily in the ovaries. And in a normal uterus, the aromatase enzyme is not active, it's not working, it's not present in the normal tissue of the uterus. And fibroids are benign growth. So, um, you know, one cell is is rapidly dividing into multiple cells, much like a cancer. So it is called the benign tumor. Um, But the difference uh, with a, you know, a bad cancer is that it's not expected to spread beyond the uterus However, they can get really, really large, very large. And when they get large, as we reviewed last week in last week's episode, is that they can start to cause problems in the body, like pressure, pain, getting in the way of pooping, um, peeing, and even fertility and abnormal bleeding in the uterus. So it really is important to address uh, fibroids and also Uh, The fact that the aromatase enzyme is working in the fibroid tissue really is an important factor because it demonstrates that there's something going on with that tissue that is not good. It is not supposed to be happening in that tissue. And when that enzyme gets stimulated by things happening in the body, the fibroid will grow because the the fibroid um, tissue responds to estrogen in terms of growing. So if your fibroids are large, they're growing and they're large, then you want to be attentive to the possibility 
that uh, there is some inflammation going on in your body. There might be some toxins from the environment hanging out in your body. And if you're a slim person, then you're not having to worry about the third factor, which is excess body fat. But if you are overweight and you're carrying around some excess body fat, that body fat itself has an increase in aromatase activity and it's making more estrogen, which is then stimulating the growth of your fibroids. Amongst other things, so what fibroids have in common with endometriosis and breast cancer is this increase in aromatase. So again, we want to do everything we can to decrease the stimulation of this aromatase enzyme so that it will not turn our testosterone into excess, too much estrogen in the body. And so that that fibroid, and then the sign that that's working is that your fibroid will either stop growing or it will shrink. So it's really cool that the fibroid in a way is like a smoke signal where it's telling you that something is up um, and you want to get that smoke signal to turn off. And that will tell you that whatever is happening in the background is now better. So you can use it as a barometer for your health in a way. So what do we want to do about these issues in terms of our nutrition? So inflammation in the body is increased with processed foods and decreased with whole or natural foods. And we're going to get into specifically what we can do and what specific kind of foods we can actually use from Mother Nature to specifically inhibit or stop that overactivity of the aromatase enzyme. Now, what I want to do here is take a moment to give a shout out to my uh, women in my uh, to the women in my free private Facebook group for women called Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills. They are getting this streamed live into the group. They can attend live and ask their questions and make their comments. And right now, I have a lovely comment that I want to share with you. Facebook users saying that's good to know. <laughs> Thank you so much. If you're joining me live, put in your name. Uh, and where are you joining in from if you feel comfortable doing that? And I'll give you a special shout out. And please put in your questions as they come up so I can answer them for you either during the talk or at the end of the talk, depending on the kind of question it is. Okay, so let's get back to our topic. So you were talking about inflammation increase with processed foods and decrease with whole natural foods. So what are some specific foods that can increase estrogen production? through that aromatase enzyme. And those are foods that are high in sugar content, alcohol, and some specific chemicals and processed foods called emulsifiers. So let's break this down a little bit. High sugar content foods. There's the obvious ones that we can think of right away, right? It's all that, you know, the sugar that you can put in your tea and coffee, the kind that goes into cookies and candy and chocolate and mu muffins and pastries. Those are the obvious ones. The less obvious ones are the sneaky ones hanging out in your breakfast granolas, in your protein bars, in your um, fruit smoothies, which have a lot of sugar in them. And the fiber is blenderized and pulverized, so it no longer protects your body from that sugar. And even refined flour breads like white bread or even whole wheat bread that have not undergone the sourdough process, those breads have a lot of fast carbs in them, fast sugars in them. They go into your blood really quickly and spike your sugar very high, and that can cause problems with inflammation in the body, both in the short term and in the long term, 
And in some people, that will result in things like gestational diabetes, prediabetes, and diabetes. And in other people, show up as Alzheimer's in the future. So it really pays to watch out for the sugar content in your foods and pay attention to that. Alcohol is a bit of an obvious one, although it's funny because some alcohol like wine have components like resveratrol that can actually inhibit aromatase activity, so decrease that activity. But generally speaking, you want to watch your alcohol content and uh, even drinking one, you know, one alcoholic beverage a day. So if you have like a glass of wine with your dinner every day, you are increasing your risk for inflammation related conditions like breast cancer by about 7% for each glass of wine. So, um, you know, that also applies to non-wine beverages like beers um, and um, heavy uh, alcohol with higher alcohol contents. Obviously, the risk changes depending on how much alcohol there is in that drink, how much you drink of it, and the quality, is it organic or not? But it is important to keep that in, uh, in consideration. And then the third one, the emulsifiers and processed foods. That is an interesting one that has just recently come out in the research showing that these emulsifiers, which are, um, you know, polysorbate 80 and this one that I always have a hard time remembering, hydroxycellulomellose, carboxymellose, I forget the name. Essentially, if you look at an ingredient list of processed or packaged foods and you don't recognize the word as being a whole natural food, it's going to have a potential of causing problems in your body. That's what the research is showing. And these emulsifiers are what's added to things like bread and any kind of liquids to keep them on the shelf longer and to keep them uh, with a nice texture and um, especially the liquids to keep them from separating. So, you know, really important to take a look at that ingredient list. Even pickles can have these emulsifiers in them. So, um, you think you're eating a healthy food like a pickle, and then you look and you see polysorbate 80, it is a problem. So the more savvy you can get with reading ingredient lists, uh, the less inflammation you're going to have in your body. So that's a really great superpower to continue to work on and develop. Now we're going to get into specific foods that decrease estrogen production by uh, acting on the aromatase enzyme to slow down the aromatase enzyme. Now, here's the important thing about nutrition versus drugs. So the medications that are used to shrink fibroids naturally include um, you know, drug aromatase inhibitors, as they call, they inhibit or slow down the aromatase activity. The difference between those drugs and the foods that do that is that the drugs like really, really decrease the activity and they don't just target the fibroids. They will target every single aromatase enzyme in the body, potentially even including the ones in your ovaries. And that can decrease your overall estrogen production uh, and that can be good up until a certain point because estrogen could be driving your fibroid growth. But let's say it does it too well and now you're getting too low estrogen. And that's what we tend to see in terms of side effects from these medications is signs of estrogen being too low, including problems with bone health like osteopenia and osteoporosis. So the nice thing about foods is that they are gentle they lightly uh, decrease the activity of these enzymes, and they seem to work in a way that is really complementary to the healthy, normal functioning of our body systems. So they don't overdo it in the um, uh, body places that need it, like the ovaries. 
Um, but they do seem to work really well in the places where they should not be working, which is the fibroids. So it's the interaction between mother nature and our bodies that no scientist has really been able to entirely duplicate with any medication. So yes, you're going to see these effects slower. You're not going to see the shrinking of the fibroid in a matter of days or even weeks. It could take months, maybe even a year or slightly more to see these effects, but it'll have less negative effects in your body. And the cool thing too is that these foods they don't just decrease the activity of your aromatase. They also help with other bodily functions like decreasing body inflammation, improving the repair of damaged DNA, helping with the production of healthy hormones other than estrogen. So you're really getting many more bangs for your buck when you use food as medicine, particularly in these occasions. Again, if you recall from my previous episode last week, if you have a very, very large fibroid that is causing big issues in your health, you know, food will not work quickly enough for you. That is, and if you need an immediate solution, you're going to be working with your doctor, maybe even the surgeon, looking for the lowest, um, you know, the least impact solution, whether it's med medications or surgery, to treat this. But if you have time and it's not extremely severe, then these are the things that you probably want to try first. So you want to eliminate those inflammation-producing foods and add in more of these um, aromatase-specific foods, which are foods that are high in lignin content, which I will go into in more detail. Foods that are um, uh, foods with soy. And again, with soy, soy is a separate conversation all in and of itself. You want organic soy because soy is a very heavily sprayed crop with pesticides, which will hurt your body in many different ways. Um, and ideally, it's fermented. So a fermented tofu and um, a natto, a miso, a tempeh. And then the resveratrol, which again, because of the ties with high alcohol, you might be looking at foods other than wine to get your resveratrol like berries, um, grapes, you know, eating them rather than having them in your wine. So we're going to go into the high lignin content foods, which I think will be really lovely because they're just gorgeous, delicious, super healthy foods. Uh, first, I'm going to go into some of the questions here and some of the people joining. So I have here joining me Chapri or Chapri from North Carolina. What a lovely name. Uh, it's wonderful. Thank you for joining Chapri. And I have here uh, someone joining from Banning, California. And I have a question from Danny. Uh, Danny is joining and she has a 13 millimeter fibroid and an 11 millimeter polyp. Are polyps also caused by the aromatase enzyme? And can they also be managed by the foods we eat? That is such a great question, Danny. And the answer is that it depends. Um, on what that polyp tissue is made up of. So a polyp could be an initial, um, you know, sign of something else and it's growing. Um, it could be made up, if, if the polyp is made up of um, the same tissue as that's found as within the muscle of the uterus, then it actually is a fibroid. So then it's difficult to say, it, you know, is it different from a fibroid? Is it similar to a fibroid? So the answer is, I'm not entirely sure. And the good news is that the uh, foods that we eat tend to help our whole body health. 
So if the polyp is being caused by a, um, um, a worrisome root cause, like inflammation, toxins, and excessive body fat, then it will uh, also respond in a positive way to removing processed foods, removing toxins, and introducing whole foods. So while I don't know the specific answer to your question, what I can say is that adopting these principles that I'm covering does help with whole body health, and therefore you tend to see other health concerns also melt away when you adopt these general principles. So while we're focusing on fibroids, this will also work for other conditions like endometriosis, prevention of breast cancer, um, adjunct add-on therapy for breast cancer, lots of different growth in our body. So thank you for that question. Uh, the next question I have is, does following a vegan difibroid uh, decrease inflammation and help with fibroids? Okay, so there, I think there was a spelling error. I'm going to um, decipher this and say, um, does Oh, here we go. Thank you so much. You rewrote it. How helpful is following a vegan diet and decreasing inflammation? Does it help with fibroids? Well, that's interesting because what you're going to see is that when I cover the foods that we're going to be talking about, um, you're going to see that they are all in the plant world. These foods, these specific foods that help with aromatase activity. That doesn't mean to say that if you eat meat, that's going to worsen your fibroids. It seems like meat doesn't really worsen or um, improve fibroids in terms of the research. However, certain kinds of meat tend to worsen inflammation in the body. And what we do know is that having very high amounts of red meat, particularly if it's conventionally raised, so grain-fed in feedlots versus grass-fed and finished out in the great outdoors with lots of access to space, um, sunlight, movement, fresh air, that conventionally raised red meat will tend to cause inflammation in the body, and it could, therefore, through the inflammation pathway, um, you know, damage, uh, like um, negatively affect the aromatize, aromatase enzymes. So while eating, um, you know, uh, eating meat won't necessarily make your fibroids worse, choosing the right kind of meat could impact your inflammation, which could impact your fibroids as well? That's a great question. Very interesting question because it's pulling in a lot of different concepts from a lot of different um, studies in order for me to answer it. So I hope that answered it for you. If not, please feel free to further um, expand your question. I will jump right back into it and answer it um, at, a, at a further point in the conversation. All right. So let's get into the foods that are high in lignans. Now that's spelled L-I-G-N-A-N for those of you who are listening. And we can divide them into different categories. There are foods that are grains, foods that are seeds, nuts, fruits, vegetables, and I'm gonna put coffee in its own category here. <laughs> so the lignans in grains are found in high concentrations in buckwheat, millet, oats, and rye. That, those are really great grains to focus on and getting a variety of them can be helpful. I am going to put the caveat that if you have a food sensitivity, for example, to gluten, either have a food sensitivity or if you have celiac disease, even though rye which is high in lignans, you probably don't want to add it into your diet because it's got gluten. So you don't want to necessarily, you know, um, ignore your activities for the sake of eating foods that are high in lignans. So as I'm reading out these lists, 
keep in mind your unique food sensitivities. And remember that even though a food may be healthy, if you have a sensitivity to it, it's not healthy for you. So keep that in mind. So the next are flax seeds, sesame, and sunflower seeds. And what I have to say is that flax seeds are the highest lignin content um, plants in the entire plant kingdom as far as we know. It's really, really much higher. I think sometimes 18 times higher than the next, which I believe was sesame seeds. I could be wrong on that, but for sure, the flax seeds are a good one. Lots of studies showing that one to two tablespoons of flax seeds a day for three months can be helpful in our estrogen levels, regulating our estrogen levels. Again, you know, overdoing something can be harmful in the long term. So I would cycle those seeds just to give you some variety. And I like to soak my seeds um, to deactivate their anti-nutrients like the phytic acids. So I'll soak them overnight. I'll grind them, soak them overnight. And the next day, add them to my oat porridge, for example. Um, and that's a nice way to do them. I, I do eat them wet, um, especially the seeds. Um, unless there's something like sunflower seeds, I might dehydrate them in the oven gently to get them nice and crunchy again. Again, if you're eating them in small amounts, that's not too much of a concern, but in large amounts, you can have problems with anti-nutrients like phytic acid, which can um, you know, decrease our body's ability to absorb the minerals that these um, seeds have and also potentially harm the lining of our gut. Again, that's a totally different topic. You do want to check out my nutrition playlist if you're interested in that. And also the plant protein playlist will touch on that topic. So I hope that you found that helpful. The um, nut that has the most um, uh, lignans in it is cashews. So cashews can be very, very good for that as well. The fruits are lemon, oranges, pineapple, and cranberry. And also um, the vegetables are white button mushrooms, asparagus, and eggplant. The legumes are chickpeas. And as I mentioned, coffee. All right. So those are all very high in lignans. Again, if you have a sensitivity to coffee and it makes you get all jazzed up and jittery, don't go ahead and you know keep drinking coffee because it's high in lignans. Choose another food um, that will help you um, get you know get that uh, estrogen down naturally without triggering your food sensitivities. Um, the foods that can help you detoxify environmental toxins are another category. So we just talked about foods that can help the aromatase activity go down so that you have less estrogen, less toxic estrogen, like too much estrogen. And again, that was a high lignin content, soy and resveratrol. And remember, though, that the second thing that can activate aromatase is environmental toxins. For example, bisphenol A, which is in our, a lot in our drinking water. We find it in um, water that has been in plastic bottles. Uh, it's in makeup, cosmetics. You know, it's really in a lot of places, hanging out in a lot of places. And definitely when humans have been tested for bisphenol A, we have levels of it that are detectable coming out in our urine, hanging out in our blood. And so we need to help these um, toxins get out of our body and foods that have been shown to specifically help with that are artichoke, pomegranate, watercress, and green tea. And then you might ask me, well, how much of these should I be having? And in terms of research, the amount that has been shown to induce a detoxification effect 
of these uh, toxins are six ounces of artichoke, whole artichoke, six ounces of pomegranate juice. And again, you don't want any added sugar because that would add to that high sugar content that can make things worse. And you don't want to overdo the pomegranate juice either. So you probably want to rotate that in with all of the other things you're doing because even the natural um, sugar from that fruit and in a juice form could be problematic. Watercress, six ounces, and green tea, two to four cups a day. So those can be helpful to uh, um, support your natural systems of detoxification. And thank goodness our body has those natural systems to be supported. So that's really, really wonderful. Now, I had a question from last week that I'm going to answer that didn't get, I didn't get a chance to answer. It came through too late um, for me to see it before I um, stopped the show. And if you are watching now and you have any other questions, now is the time to start putting it in because there is a bit of a delay between when you put in your question and when I see it in my comments. So the question was, and this was um, someone who joined in, Ileana, and she was saying that she had fibroids when she was growing up and they got um, reasonably large and then they um, uh, shrank after having children. And now they're coming, they've come back again and her doctor is monitoring it with ultrasounds just to make sure that everything's okay. And she asked, are there any lab tests I can ask my doctor to order to make sure that everything is going uh, well with respect to my fibroids? So the answer to that is a bit challenging, but I do have some answers to it. However, what I want you to know is that the problem with the aromatase enzyme is happening within the tissue of the fibroid. So you may have a lot of excess estrogen in the fibroid tissue itself, but you may not necessarily see it um, increased, for example, in the blood, in the urine, in the saliva, which are what are used to test or levels of estrogen and other hormones. So that won't be particularly helpful. Um, we'll always, so we don't have any direct measures of the problem. The only way would be to, you know, um, take a little chunk of the fibroid and measure it. But all you're going to see is that the aromatase enzyme activity is increased, which we already know because the fibroid is there and it has a certain size to it. So the fact that it's there means that there is some stimulation of that aromatase enzyme going on. And so it merits um, looking at these recommendations and bringing them into your regular daily habits. The cool thing is that none of them are harmful and they're going to support other, you know, other aspects of your body's health, which is wonderful. Um, and some blood tests that are indirect measures of problems with high blood sugar in your diet and problems with inflammation are uh, fasting blood sugar. So these are tests that in Canada, where I'm, where I am, are covered by the, um, you know, by uh, health, public health insurance. Would be to test for your fasting blood sugar and your blood sugar response to a two-hour glucose test. So you drink a certain amount of glucose, and two hours later you see your glucose response. Um, the other test that is covered is a um, what's called a GGT, which is a test that is usually done to look at your liver function. When we have a lot of toxins hanging on our body, that can cause our liver to be um, a bit stressed with the detoxification, and the GGT can become slightly elevated, greater than 30. Um, and so that's something to look at. And the other one is a CRP, and the CRP measures the C-reactive protein CRP measures uh, levels of inflammation in the body. Now, if you have very low levels of inflammation, it's not going to affect your CRP. 
But if you see your CRP start to rise above an eight, that's concerning for, you know, the inflammation starting to get a little bit more out of hand. Again, you could get those tests done and everything could be absolutely normal. It doesn't mean that there's a problem with the aromatase inhibitor. The fact that you have a fibroid of a certain size is an indication that there can be some action taken in terms of prevention, right? Because it is a sign that there's some inflammation, some toxins, um, and possibly some excess body fat. And the fibroid is like, you know, kind of growing in response to that. And so you want to keep an eye on that and take in the, um, and, uh, you know, initiate those lifestyle changes. Um, a test that is not covered in Canada by public health insurance is the fasting insulin test and the two-hour um, glucose challenge uh, insulin results. Um, and so that is usually done in Canada by a naturopath or functional medicine doctor, and you do have to pay out of pocket for getting those tested, okay? And you might be asking me, well, what about hormone testing or Dutch testing, which is becoming really, pos um, um, really uh, popular? It's the urine test for hormones. Again, that may or may not be abnormal, depending on how your fibroid is processing the... Um, estrogen and whether you're getting that extra estrogen also in the rest of your body, which would then show up in your urine or just locally in the fibroid. So I hope that you found that helpful. I see here I have another uh, question. And the question is, I'm experiencing perimenopause. Does the fibroid shrink once in the stage? This is a wonderful question because the natural history of most fibroids is that they shrink in menopause because we have less estrogen. However, there are certain fibroids that actually start in menopause and get worse in menopause. And the reason for that is, again, because the fibroid is making its own estrogen. So even though the body's estrogen is going down, its local production of estrogen through that aromatase enzyme is going up. So it is possible that it will go down. It is also possible that it will increase in size. And it is also possible that you will develop new ones. And what I have to say about that is that if you start developing fibroids in menopause, that is a particular indication that something is going on and a really important reason to start really dialing into your diet and detoxification strategies to support your whole body health knowing that it can cause no harm to do these. It will only be good for your whole body health anyways. So why not? <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for joining me today. Those were wonderful, wonderful questions. Next week, we're going to be diving in uh, to a very important topic. But before I describe what that is, the summary for today is stop eating the standard American diet, acronym SAD, by cutting out processed foods, Focusing more on whole foods with lots of variety, adding in some specific foods high in lignans, and supporting your natural systems of detoxification with nutrition. Next episode, we're going to talk about what supplements can I take to support and speed up the shrinking of my fibroids. Sometimes we want to see those effects happen faster, and there are some supplements we can take. Um, to do that and some supplements that can even replace the whole, a certain whole foods, especially the ones for detoxification, if you're finding it hard to incorporate those regularly into your lives. So we'll be talking about that in the next episode. Next week, I will not be giving a live show. I'm taking a break next week and be coming back to, uh, back to you week after next. I look forward to seeing you then. If you enjoyed this episode, please share.
share, save, subscribe. Uh, you know, we need more, more women benefiting from these root cause solutions so they can look and feel their best as well for life. Thank you for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening or night, depending on when you catch this. And you're so, so welcome, uh, ladies who, uh, who joined me today. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 